This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto and the condo towers are affecting your reception, you can tune us in on FM 96.7. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you this fine, hot, hot day? Hot day. I'm trying to keep cool, so... Uh, uh, finally, Toronto's got a heat wave. Uh, I'm not complaining. Uh, I'm not well, complaining. A lot of people are complaining, but just remember back to January. Anyways, uh, the, the uh, dome is open when it's weather okay, like this. Okay, so uh, you, <laughs> you know, I was going to start off with the Raptors, but since you've started with the, the Naz Marchese theory of the, well, the Toronto Blue Jays, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Anyways, uh, last week, uh, Naz, you expounded a uh, controversial theory about the Blue Jays. And uh, you know what? So far this week, you're looking pretty good, Naz. Uh, first of all, let's, let's have a little recap on your, on your Blue Jays theory. Well, and the, uh, let's, let's, let's have a recap on the Blue Jays week. Here it is week. from last year. The Jays were 38-14 and 14 when the roof was open, when loss. They were 11-14 and 14 when it was closed, and 4-0 and when the roof was open. When the game started, it was closed, but they opened it up. They were 4-0. So they were 42-14. and 14. Now, the Jays this year were nine, are 9-13 nine and 13 with the roof shut. And the first two games that they opened the, the roof this past weekend, they're 2-0. and 0. So there you go. There may be something to this Naz Marchese theory. Certainly now that, uh, now that you've propounded it in, in a public forum on the air, we're certainly going to keep, uh, we're going to keep a run and tally on your theory, I'm not Naz. sure it'll work with uh, <laughs> today's game with Price against Dickey, but uh, well, you never know. You mean it's a theory only works depending on who's, uh, well, who's pitching they, they, and who's not they're pitching? Not gonna go, they're not going to go 42-0. and 0. They're going to lose some games. Anyways, all kidding aside, the Jays... Uh, Certainly uh, had a pretty good week, certainly the end of this week. They're on a little bit of a run here. and uh, They're starting to hit. They're starting to hit. Uh, the yeah. bats are warming up. The weather's warming up. The bats are warming up. The roof is open. Um, you know, we're, uh, I think we're four games out, three in a wild card, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, what do the Blue Jays have to do to... Uh, to keep this keep this streak well, going. Well, guys like Russell Martin and uh, Tulowitzki is on the DL. He's on the 15-day DL. But how much guys that, like how that? Much? Guys like that have to come through. Now, Tulowitzki. Russell, Russell Martin has in this past week hit three homers, and he's made some key hits, especially yesterday. So he's coming around. And you got to remember, last year he started at an 0.53 pace about a month and a half into the season. So this is new for Russell. I know you're passionate about the Jays, Naz, and I know that. Uh, 
that uh, you're excited about uh, what, this week and uh, and uh, yeah, Manny for, down the Fenway. Uh, and uh, to all our listeners, just in case uh, you can't see, I see Naz in the studio and he's wearing his Blue Jays hat this morning. So uh, he's certainly excited. And uh, I know you're headed to Fenway next week, so we'll certainly talk about that at, uh, a little bit at the end of the show. But uh, the Tulowitzki, you know, that was a big deal when they brought him in last year, and it was. Uh, you know he's considered one of the top uh, one of the top shortstops in the game. Um, uh, he's got a good bat. Didn't didn't his bat wasn't that great when they brought him in last year, and he has and his bat hasn't been on fire. But he, uh, you know, he solidified the middle of that infield last year. They had you know that a you know I don't know how many games. Uh, that was because Reyes was Reyes in was throwing games away, and Tulowitzki came in and steadied. Uh, studied that infield. Certainly, he's an imposing figure in the sense he pr- he brings leadership to the team. Uh, how much has uh, Tulowitzki being out uh, hurt the Jays? It really doesn't because uh, uh, Devin Travis has fit in at second base, and Ryan Goins and uh, Barney are going to be able to play shortstop or second or second base. So it doesn't affect them because Tulowitzki wasn't hitting. Although you know he has hit eight homers, so his power is still there. He just seems to strike out a lot, and uh, that wasn't the Tulowitzki I saw in Colorado. And uh, the whole so far, the the what's let the Blue Jays down um, so far this year, of course, has been uh, has been their bullpen, seventh inning, eighth inning. Um, you know, the starters have done their job uh, Asuna, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, uh, Asuna's done his job for the most part. Oh, well, Asuna's been great. Yeah, he's Asuna's been great. Been great yeah. um, uh, seventh and eighth innings have been the problem, and that's really, if it wasn't for their performance in the seventh and eighth innings, uh, they'd be in first place. I mean, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's too difficult to say that. Um, how do you how do you turn that one around? Well, the only thing they can do is uh, put Sanchez into the setup role, and I think that's got to be they got to watch his inning count anyway. So why don't you put him into the setup role and? Uh, Make sure you do it that way, so you have him three three days a week in and, that uh, role, and he's perfect for that role. And you you put him in now, rather than later in the season. Yeah, I think so. Hutchison's pitching well down in Buffalo. I would give him another chance to come up and uh, be a starter. But uh, you know, Jay, the reason why this is happening is Jay Happ has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And who would have figured that? Who would have I thought, thunk that, I thought one. that signing was a disaster myself. But, yeah, we uh, both. I, 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 I take that back. To be, to be fair, he's we well. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Naz. To be fair, we uh, uh, we weren't overly thrilled with that signing, and uh, Jay Happ's making us eat our words. To be quite frank with you, he's, awesome he's, stuff. He, awesome yeah. stuff. Give uh, give management credit uh, for that signing. They they obviously saw something there that uh, that uh, we didn't see. Uh, um, I mean, Happ had a good. Uh, a good run last year. Was it the Pirates? Was it the Pirates? Was it the Pirates, the Pirates, Pirates yeah. they got traded in the middle of the year, I think. From yeah. Seattle yeah. to, yeah. And to uh, certainly excelled with the Pirates. And uh, management made an astute observation, and that certainly that move has certainly worked out. And they, I guess it, uh, going back to your point, Naz, it gives uh, it gives uh, gives the manager some options here. And you know, if you got Jay Happ throwing. Uh, you know, throwing uh, throwing the ball well, then uh, you can move Sanchez and uh, you move Sanchez to bullpen. You're saying you bring you bring Hutchinson in as the fifth, fifth starter. Fifth yeah. starter. That's what I would do. That's the only the only option they have unless they make a trade, which those are hard to make right now. 
Well, trades at this time of year are pretty difficult. July will be a little bit different. And then uh, the one difficulty the Jays will face is they sort of mortgaged the future the last couple of years uh, with uh, dealing away uh, uh, quite a few of their prospects. So I'm not sure how much how much they still have left that other teams might be interested in. So making that big splash of a deal is certainly going to be it's going to take a it's going to take a lot of management savvy this year a uh, lot less assets to deal with and yeah, there's not too many david prices around right this year so that's going to be a hard deal to make but uh, i think they're good enough to win the division uh, the way they are and uh, they're starting to play better now anyways really quickly uh, i want to recap um, uh, you know a couple of kind words about the raptors before we go to break when we go to break we'll be coming back uh, with Adam Oates. Adam Oates, of course, Hall of Fame uh, player for uh, quite a few different teams, but uh, certainly remembered as uh, Brett Hall's line mate and Cam Neely's line mate. But uh, Adam Oates, uh, Hall of Famer himself, and to a certain extent, uh, you know, he he had uh, a lot to do with the success of Brett Hall and Cam Neely. Uh, Adam Oates, an outstanding, outstanding hockey player and uh, a great hockey mind. Uh, we certainly want to canvas that a little bit. Uh, the ultimate setup guy. Yeah, and um, he's um, you know he's 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 actually quite a brilliant hockey mind. So uh, we're looking forward to talking to him. Uh, bottom of the hour, we will have uh, Sean Clement. Sean Clement's in Nashville. Uh, he's our golf uh, golf guru. We're going to talk a little bit about golf. And uh, Naz, the Raptor season came to a close Friday night. Uh, they managed to make it to the Final Four. They got to the sixth game against uh, a Cleveland Cavalier team that uh, at the end, you know what, uh, you just couldn't overcome a talent yeah, the like, t- the talent like LeBron was, James. There was a big difference in the talent level of the two teams, and you could see it. And LeBron makes that big of a difference, for sure. No question. And certainly uh, a lot of disappointed uh, Toronto basketball fans, but I guess when we reflect back on this season, there's a lot to be grateful for. Uh, you know, from all from the top down, from Masai to Dwayne Casey uh, to the players, uh, to a certain extent, I won't say they overachieved, but uh, I didn't think they let anybody down. I mean, uh, no, not at all. DeRozan and Lowry came in for a lot of criticism in in some of the early playoff series, but uh, you know what? The the, the last uh, the last uh, three four games uh, and uh, a couple of the key games, they came in with. Uh, you know, some some good performances, over 30 points from the both of them. So uh, I think Raptor fans should be uh, should be enthusiastic and uh, happy about a great season, the greatest season, I can say, in Toronto Raptor history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I do too. And uh, they need to get a couple of shooters to complement the team because they didn't have enough in yeah. the long run. Well, I want you to expound upon that point, Naz. You say they didn't have, enough, they didn't have any shooters. Is that, is that no, no, they did have shooters. They didn't have enough. Look at Cleveland. They were hitting three points with three, four guys. Our guys were like one, Lowry and DeRozan. DeRozan doesn't hit threes too often. Lowry was the main guy that could hit threes. Nobody else could hit threes on the Raptors. So they need to go with shooters because the NBA has changed in the past few years. You're at more liberty to handle the ball, and guys like uh, uh, Curry have have shown you that, that the three-point play is one of the most important things in the NBA, and you have to change your team around it. So they shouldn't be going for the big uh, power forward. Uh, LeBron James, who can do everything, would be nice, but that's probably not going to happen ever in our lifetime. But he did say some kind things about Canada. 
And I, I, I do have a bit of a theory that he said that he would go back to Cleveland to win a championship. What happens when Cleveland wins the championship? That can happen this year. Does LeBron leave or does he? Where does he go? So can we uh, can we state it on the record here before it's going to be on on the show before we put it on Facebook? LeBron James Toronto is that something we should? It'd be, uh, be nice. It'd be a nice oh, thing. No, it would be nice. There's no question about but that. But I don't I don't think he's married to Cleveland. I think he he said he'd bring a championship back to his hometown, and I think he's going to do that this year. And let's see what happens after that because he's got a year plus the option, and it's his option. Yeah. Not the team. So he could leave at the end of this year. Interesting. There's going to be some, certainly some uh, some um, serious personnel decisions that uh, Masai is going to have to make. And uh, the first one, of course, and the big one is DeMar DeRozan. We've talked about it quite a bit on this show. Um, whether uh, whether they bring him back. Obviously, they want yeah, to bring him back. They'll, they'll it's a bring quite, him back. They have no uh, choice. They, they really, I, I mean, it depends who else. I, mean, I don't think they can, I don't think they can let him go without signing somebody comparable. And I doubt that there's going to be anybody out there comparable that will want to come to Toronto. So, uh, He's a $25 million. He, he, he's a piece in the puzzle for sure. Yeah, 20. I mean, I, the problem with being a piece in the puzzle is... When you're twenty-five million dollars in max money, you're not a piece in the puzzle. You he, are the puzzle. But he will be the following year because yeah. the the numbers are going up because of the TV yeah. contract. I think they're getting another sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, they're million. talking about going so up that twenty million. Twenty-five million in two years may be a piece of the puzzle. Maybe a piece of the puzzle. Certainly, we'll keep an eye on on the Demar Derozan uh, negotiations. And uh, my prediction, the same as yours, Naz, he'll be back with the Raptors. Um, they don't have any other choice but to sign him. I don't think they can let him go without signing somebody of equal uh, of equal ability. Uh, you may have to overpay him somewhat, but that's uh, that's too bad. That's 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 uh, that's pro sports nowadays. Uh, and the other one, uh, Biombo. I think he's. I don't think there's any way the he's the, a one dimensional player. Yeah, yeah I, I mean he he mean he he filled in incredibly well when JV went down but uh he's he's making 5 million a year to re-sign him at 15 million what what they're talking about makes no sense. You end up having two players. Yeah, you, you end up having, you know, JV and, and a backup center in Biombo and paying him that kind of money makes no sense. I don't think you'll see him back. Yeah, Valanciunas has a better offensive touch. Anyways, it's time to go to break. Uh, We'll be right back after the break with Hockey Hall of Famer Adam Oates. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the show one of the great, great playmakers in hockey history, NHL history, a Hockey Hall of Famer class of 2012. We're, of course, talking about Adam Oates. Good morning, Adam. How are you? I'm good. How are we doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Adam, you had a fantastic, uh, fantastic NHL career. And uh, tell us uh, very, very, uh, what, what, what do you consider, what do you look back with the fondest of memories, uh, the, the highlight of your career? What, uh, what fond moment, what fond uh, team, uh, what, what, uh, what experience do you treasure the most? Well, you know what, um... Really, quite honestly, you know, I got to play this game for a long time professionally. I mean, I'm a very lucky man. Uh, I've always said that uh, my first game is probably my most special memory because I made the NHL. And since I was five years old, that was my dream, right? And I got to live my dream to put on a a jersey in, uh, way back when. Adam, yeah, interesting you said you, it, was your, it was your dream since you were the... Uh, age of five to make the NHL. We've had, uh, we, uh, we, we have had a lot of Hall of Famers we've talked to, and it's one of my favorite questions that uh, uh, you, you had the dream to play the NHL, but you, you, went, uh, you went undrafted. Um, 
yeah. and uh, at what point in time in your minor hockey league career, um, not that you had the dream to play the NHL, when did you realize that that dream could become a possibility? You know, that's, that's a good question, and probably, you know, you're, you're a young guy, you're very naive when it comes to it. Like, I mean, I always really believed it, um, and I probably had a cockiness about it that uh, even when I didn't get, I didn't get drafted junior, I didn't get drafted to NHL, and um, I even had a couple fights with my father about it because, I, you know, I didn't take anything else seriously. Uh, I really wasn't very dedicated to school because, I, you know, I was playing junior, Tier two at the time, I just thought, you know what? I, I always just thought there was something that I was gonna, I was gonna be a hockey player, and and it was first and foremost, and everything else second. And you know what? Quite honestly, I was wrong about it. When you think about it, you know, I mean, I got I got very lucky. I was a late bloomer. Uh, I got an opportunity to go to college late, and that gave me an opportunity to kind of grow my game. I had a great college coach that taught me a few things, and kind of made me a man, and, and I grew up a little bit. And, just give me a little bit more, a couple more years to kind of grow, and I, I got very fortunate. I, I got in the NHL. It's interesting, Adam, that you brought up when you were five years old. I promoted you on our Facebook page, and uh, living in the same area, we could, I came from the Western area, and now I'm in Nobleton, which is the area you're probably in now. So it's interesting that we're having this discussion. But a picture of you in a team on a team when you were a tyke was sent to me with the Downsview Beavers. Wow. And, wow, it's incredible how many people remember you, though. That's, that, that is incredible. I mean, that's so long ago. Um, and I know that was our first organization we played for, and they were great, and my brother played. And, you know, I, I was right. It started for me right then because I was a rink rat, right? I, I got to go play, and, you know, I'd probably play at 6 o'clock. He'd probably play at 7 or 8 o'clock. So I got to stay in that rink for three hours. So after your game, you're still kind of like thinking hockey and living it. And, um, you, you know what? It's just uh, that was the life back then. That's all you had. That was, you know, my toy was my hockey stick. That's what I had, right? And uh, we played on the street. We did it all, and, and that's all I ever thought of. Here, let's bring you. Let's bring you to currently. Uh, well, let's bring you to the Anaheim Ducks. You were a, a finalist in the Stanley Cup that year, and uh, you have ties to both Lou Lamarillo and Mike Babcock. Babcock was your coach. Tell me yep. what direction the Leafs are in and uh, are, they, are these guys, I know they're competent but tell me a bit about these guys Well, you know what, that was Mike's uh, first year, my, near my last and I would say that uh, the first maybe two months we, we struggled together together a little bit, I was the old guy and he was coming in the league and, but then as the season went along I think we developed a nice relationship and our team ended up having some success He's a very good coach, and I know he's a guy that is always looking for something new, some sort of uh, way to motivate the players, get the players better, uh, and total coaching package. I got to work for Lou for three years. I've known him for a long time now, and a guy that's uh, very similar to Mike in a sense, where that there's no stone unturned. You know, they they're going to do everything in their power to. Uh, fix this and get it right. And, you know, one of the great things about Lou is he thinks of everything. I mean, he really does. And uh, very analytically, very behind the scenes. And that's something I think uh, uh, him and I share that we both like, you know, um, how guys, you know, some of his rules, right? They're, they're, they're for a lot of reasons why we have these rules. 
And you know what? I, I happen to be a guy that agrees with that stuff. I think it's uh, there's some subliminal messages there that go to big picture. Um, I'm not going to tell them, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why he does it, and I agree. And we're talking at, fantastic at it. We're talking to Adam Oates. Adam Oates, of course, uh, fantastic career, one of uh, one of hockey's great minds, as far as I'm concerned. And Adam, you played with some. Uh, you were the you were the linchpin in some of the great line combinations in hockey history. Of course, the one that uh, the one that comes uh, comes to mind really quickly is, of course, your your combination with Brett Hull. You also Cam Neely, and uh, but Hull and Oates uh, dominated the NHL for a few years, and uh, it was certainly a pleasure to watch uh, you guys play. And you had something, you guys had something special, and uh, you know the cliche they use is is chemistry. But I want you to break it. Being a, being a hockey mind as well, uh, Adam. Uh, what what does that mean? You had great chemistry. Tell us tell us what made you and Brett Hall so special. Well, you know what? It, it, it's a good subject to talk about because I think it is one of the things that's missing in the game a little, and I think this is another reason why some of the scoring is down uh, because we've gotten into this uh, all, these athletes that are training hard and they're not learning the little innate things as well as we had the opportunity to, and. You know, the chemistry, Brett, Brett obviously very similar to his father, could shoot the puck. I, I really like passing. It's just, you know, as a centerman, that's the way my father raised me, was to distribute the puck to your wingers. That's what a centerman does. And Brett, being a winger, learned how to score from his father. And, and the one thing that no one ever gives him any credit for ever that I've always said is he's a very, very bright guy. Brett is a very smart man. You don't score 700 goals in this league without being that guy. And our styles just fit each other. But we also lived it. Like, we talked about it. We lived it. We worked on it. Uh, we, were in a, we were in a league that still had a lot of violence to the game, and we weren't two guys that didn't play that way, so we had to figure out ways to kind of hide and, and get away with it. Um, I think that, you know, when it comes to offense, we both knew how to get points. And, you know, there's still some guys in this league now that, that can, like, you know, Yammer Yager, like, he obviously can't skate like he used to, but the man knows how to get points. And that is kind of a lost art a little bit right now. And uh, it's actually what I'm working on, what I'm teaching, and trying to get our modern-day player uh, to understand what it's like to score a goal and how, and, that, and how it evolves in the whole package. Adam, I want to I want to uh, follow that, um, um, your thoughts on on this particular topic a little bit more and it and it arises from uh um you t- you're, you're working with skills development amongst uh, amongst nhl players or higher end any hockey athletes and there was an article in uh, in sportsnet a few months back and the headline was adam oates will drag the nhl towards a new frontier toward a new frontier and you were quoted in that article uh about about some of your theories uh, about NHL's uh, player development, that players need smarts. It's about hands. You compared them to Messi, that Messi, of course, the soccer player, is good in space, and that hockey needs change. So how is Adam Oates dragging the NHL towards a new frontier? Yeah, well, obviously that wasn't my quote. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said that. Um, but you know what? When you look at our game, our game's very fast, Right. It is a very fast and physical game. But there are lots of times in the game that have no speed. 
For example, every face-off, 10 guys have no speed. Uh, power plays, once they get in the zone, pretty much nine guys have no speed. Offensive zone cycles, once you get, you know, you dump the puck in, you forecheck, you stop the D, now there's 10 guys in the zone, there's not a lot of room, and only a few guys are moving. And, you know, like if, th- if you think about the Sedin brothers, when there's no speed, those guys are magic. They're not the best at transition at full 200-foot races. They're not. But when it comes to power play and no speed, they're st- they still elite players in this league. A lot of the guys, the, the training now, you know, we, we focus so much on speed. We focus so much on systems and checking and defensive play that players are not learning the innate skills about when there's no speed. How do we, how do we generate offense when there's no speed? And that's, you know what, and all the players, um, the guys I work with, whether it's a def- defensive defenseman or a elite offensive guy, there are skills that you can work on to improve. I'll tell you what's fantastic for me is um, I just saw last week that Ryan Tannehill, who's a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, hired Peyton Manning. <laughs> there is a guy with no okay, speed, so he- that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, there's a guy who's a good quarterback, but he's looking for what? He's looking for Peyton's knowledge. He he's not, he's not going to teach him how to throw the ball. The guy knows how to throw the ball. He's going to teach him how to read a defense. What When he comes out of the huddle and he's looking at the defenders, how fast can he pick up that information? That's what the guy's looking for from Peyton Manning because that's what he was great at. The guy can throw the ball. So that's exactly kind of how I view it. The guys in the league can play. They're in the NHL. They're great. To, to be to play any pro level, you're a great hockey player. To have to have survived and played that long, so that you're playing in the minors, Europe, wherever you played hockey for a long time and you survived. So you're a pro athlete. The the thing that guys need to learn now is the reads, the speed, the reads, um, how to, to how to digest information as fast as possible. And of course, everybody's different. You know, uh, Patrick Kane still is going to be better at that than a defensive defenseman. But that doesn't mean that that defenseman can't improve. He can improve those skills. So for me, maybe I could teach Patrick Kane 1%, but I might be able to improve that defensive defenseman 15%. So everybody has uh, ways to grow. And you know what? It is something that I think every player can use. Now, Adam, uh, the Stanley Cup final is San Jose and Pittsburgh. And uh, you you were an assistant coach under Peter DeBoer. Uh, Peter DeBoer has been to two Stanley Cup finals now. Uh, What do you think their chances are? And uh, how do you think the series is going to go? Well, you know what? I I can honestly tell you, I probably would rather give my opinion after watching a game. um, Because, you know, it's East versus West. Both teams are great. both teams have conquered some demons. They have a lot of depth. That's why they're there. Uh, it's still, but they haven't seen each other in a while. And, you know, there is some time off, so we'll see what happens. But, you know what, obviously I think uh, Pete's a great coach. I worked for him. I worked for Rick Tockett in Tampa. He's a great coach. I know Sully a little bit. He's great. Uh, as I said, both teams have a lot of pieces or they wouldn't be there. And, you know what, it's, it's, it'll be fun to watch and, and see how all the little subplots plan, plan out. Uh, Mike Sullivan is the the coach of the Penguins. Uh, it's an interesting uh, situation he was in. He was like uh, 
when he started with Boston, he was third overall in the league in 2003-2004. And then there was a walkout uh, the following year, and then he came back to coaching. had a poor record, but Boston dismantled the team. And he never got a coaching job, a head coaching job, until this past year. And the one thing I noticed is he's handled Phil Kessel a little differently, and I think you have, you're probably on the same wavelength as him. I think he's allowing him to be Phil Kessel. What do you think? Well, it's it's um, you know what? It's funny you bring that up. It a lot of people are saying that right now, and Phil's had a great playoff. But what people for, for forget is he's playing third line for Pittsburgh. He's playing with Benino and Haglin on the third line. Yep. So, so every team has to cover Crosby first, Malkin second, or the other way around. And that allows uh, Benino's line, which, which Phil's on, to, to play against the third-line guys. Well, no coach in Toronto was ever allowed to put Phil Kessel on the third line. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, I'm happy he's, he's playing well, but he was paid in Toronto to be a first-liner. So that's one of the things that people don't realize. Coaches have to do, uh, that, you know, that indicates what a coach is going to do. So not that you don't want to bench him or improve him. Of course not. We all want that. But Phil had to play against Chara when he played, when he played for Toronto. He had to play against the best D. He had to play against the best players every night. So it's freeing him up a little bit. And, and you know what, it's a, that's, a, that's a very sensitive subject to coaches because sometimes, like, if it's not interpreted correctly, you know what, guys get bad raps. Well, you know, like Phil Kessel in Toronto would never have played third line, wouldn't have allowed it, his agent wouldn't have allowed it, his parents wouldn't have allowed it, <laughs> the media wouldn't have allowed it. We expected him to produce at the salary he was given. And, and people got frustrated with that here, even though I still think he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But he he's gets to play against the third-line matchups now, and that's freeing him up. We've been talking to Adam Oates. Uh, Adam, uh, we've taken up enough of your precious uh, time on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning. Listen, we want to thank you so much. Uh, you're obviously uh, one of the great hockey players uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, we consider you one of uh, the brightest minds in hockey right now. And uh, we'd love to chat with you again about uh, and take advantage of your insights, and we thank you so much for joining us this Sunday morning. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you. That was, of course, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, Adam Oates, certainly uh, Naz. Uh, what a hockey mind. Eh? What a hockey mind. Certainly uh, he's, he's got some valuable insights into the game in, in terms of, uh, you know, and that's what happens. You know, they, the, they've always said that, um, um, you know, he had to, may not have been blessed uh, with some of the, he was, certainly wasn't the fastest skater. No, definitely not. You know, so he had to learn to be uh, one of the greats of the game by utilizing every other talent he had. And certainly, you know, they say the most valuable uh, part of uh, of an athlete is what exists uh, in the five inches between the two ears. It's funny watching players like Adam Oates play, and I see them in minor hockey quite a bit, being involved with minor hockey. You look at a, at a player, and he plays, and he gets five points in one game, and you go, how did he get How did he do five? that? How did he do that? And Gretzky was like that. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I guess. 11 points just, eight just points. How did he do that? Very I, quickly before we go to break, Naz, and you, you hit it upon a, uh, an interesting comment, and it reminds me of the first time I ever saw Wayne Gretzky play hockey. I think we were at that game together. It was, it was a Saturday afternoon at Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was the Toronto Marlies against the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And we went, we went down to watch it. And, and, and we, you know, it's like 
we, we, when you saw Gretzky come out, he was this scrawny little kid. Yeah. His, his sweater seemed like it was 20 sizes too big. Uh, didn't seem like, I mean, I was, we, I was expecting watching Bobby Orr. I said, here comes Wayne Gretzky. Like, okay, we saw him come out on the ice, and I said, are you kidding me? And, uh, and then at the end of that game, and it goes back to your point, uh, you know, Sault Ste. Marie, I remember when they won that game, I think, 6-3 six to, six to three or something, and Gretzky had five points. I couldn't remember any of them. Exactly. Couldn't remember any of them, but he had five points in that game, and he looked like, he looked like a peewee playing amongst junior A players, and, you know, one way or another, he figured out how to dominate the game, yeah, and his, that was, that was vision, Adam Oates. Right? And, and that, that was That's Adam Oates. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he had a vision for the game. Uh, at a level that very, very, very few, uh, very few other NHL players. Cam Neely scored fifty goals in forty-nine games with Adam Oates. Just think about that. Cam Neely scored fifty goals in forty-nine games. Yeah. So certainly, it's a pleasure talking to Adam Oates. Uh, it's time for our break, and we'll be right back after the break with Sean Clement. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the really big pizza deal. It's even bigger than Toronto basketball star Jonas Valanciunas. He wears size 17 shoes, but the really big pizza is 18 inches, topped with pepperoni. Plus, you get 16 wings. And you get the really big pizza deal for just $29.99. Try getting Jonas for that. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 from your cell phone. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. 
Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Coming up shortly, Sean Clement, of course, Sean Clement at wisdomandgolf.com and one of the world's great internet golf teachers, one of Canada's greatest golf teachers. But just before we go to Sean, it's time for our Pizzaville contest, $25 Pizzaville gift coupon. They're always hot items. If you're by your phone, here are the numbers, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. gift coupon donated by the good people at Pizzaville. Give us a call, second caller. It is really good pizza. Once again, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Live from Nashville, uh, Tennessee, Sean Clement. How are you this morning, Sean? Morning, boys. Fantastic out here. Good morning, Sean. What, what, bring, what brings you to Nashville, Tennessee, Sean? Well, my, uh, I have many students in this great city, and uh, also my son is uh, in a big BMX race here at the National Race, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's doing his best uh, with hair on fire, and uh, we've we got one more day to go, and uh, so uh, he's, he's revving up, and I'm with you guys. Uh, we, wish you the, we wish him the best of luck, Sean. Uh, of course, uh, you're wisdominggolf.com. And uh, on YouTube, some of the some of the great great uh, uh, golf videos to all our listeners, I highly recommend them. Sean Clement on YouTube, you're almost hitting almost 30 million hits these days. Sean, bring us up to date on uh, on uh, on everything you're doing these days. Well, I had uh, just a fantastic session, and uh, you know, I wanted to to reserve this for all of you guys out there who want to introduce your loved ones to golf, um, especially uh, if it's a lady. You'll notice that many of the ladies are very um, uh, scared, afraid of hitting the ground too hard. You know, they're not as strong. They don't have the same muscle density as the men do, and they have uh, different preoccupations when it comes to golf. And uh, Allie had the very much the same situation. My host's daughter, she's 14. She's going into high school next year, and um, she wants to get on the golf team. And he says he's, she's been having a hard time because – it looks like she's hesitating at the top of her swing, and and so I, I we go out to the backyard. We're having a nice barbecue, and uh, there's a there's a bunch of you know fresh clover flowers hanging around there. And I, I said to Allie, I said, "What is the purpose of this golf club?" And she says, "Well, it's supposed to hit the ball." I said, "No, it's a grass cutting device." And you remember we talked about this last year. I said, "You're going to take. You see the sole of the club? It's got a certain sharpness to it. You notice the, there's a little bevel on the bottom." That's so you can do amazing gardening. So she says, really? I said, yeah, look at these clover flowers. Let me see you, you know, cut through those flowers. And she had a kind of a a little bit of a hard time getting her swing loaded up. So I showed her how to slash a sword. So if you look at one of my videos entitled Fencing for Power, Sean Clement, and the other one's called Grass Whip, Sean Clement. 
So I showed her how to slash a sword, put the club back in her hands, and showed her how to do the slashing the sword with both hands on it. And then we went and cut some, some, uh, some cloverleaf flowers. You should have seen the transformation, you guys. Uh, it was unbelievable. My, my, my host had eyes big like dinner plates. He couldn't believe it. So the next day, we had a session. I invited her to come along, and one of my, uh, one of my teachers, who's the, the head coach at Faulkner University in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, he came over. He likes to come over and, 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 uh, and shadow my lessons. He took her over to the side, and he worked with her on those things, and she was flushing nine irons 110 yards in the air, and she's a complete beginner. I just want to go back to uh, the point you make because, uh, you know, I want our listeners to know you, you, uh, you operate from the uh, Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center at Bathurst in, in Highway 7, and you've been there for a while. So if yes, people sir. want to hook up with you personally, and, you know, you, you teach uh, professionals, you teach amateurs, and always beginners I, beginners are I always love, nervous the beginners are I always nervous beginners. i love beginners walter okay it's, so uh, they're, they're they're like uh, clean canvases and and my specialty i would say after that the last night is launching people into this game on the proper footing sean we had dick pound on the air last week and we talked yep. wally brought up golf and peds he believes that there are some golfers uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. What What do you think about that? Um, it wouldn't surprise me um, because of the level of injuries that we now have in this game, which are totally needless. I mean, you, you remember the conversation we had with uh, our friend Brandel Chambly a couple of weeks ago. And uh, because of the insanity of what's going on right now in, in the game and so far as, you know, needlessly abusing the body with uh, with improper technique, then they need, you know, extras for recovery. They get injured. They need to get back in there before they lose their momentum. Uh, you know, beautiful example is uh, Brant Snedeker. He's on fire two years ago. He's on the top of the game, and then he gets a separated rib. Well, how do you recover from that? You got to, you know, you got to chill. So. So there's all kinds of techniques out there as far as, you know, recovering from these injuries. And, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if, if they're using performance-enhancing drugs to do that. Uh, we're talking to Sean Clement. And uh, last question, Sean, before we let you go. And I, I know we were talking about beginners and uh, you love working with beginners. And uh, very quickly, uh, a beginner wants to get a hold of you. They just give you a call at the Richmond exactly. Hill Golf Learning Center. Uh, you'll bring them in first lesson. What could they expect on the very first lesson if they come and see you? For very first lesson, they will understand what it is to sling a golf club. They will feel, see, and hear what it is to strike a golf ball properly. And the person bringing this beginner must stay with me as well, so they get to see how I work with them, and and then they have a chance to to continue helping them out as they're practicing. You know, going about the things that I that I show, you know, the the, the practice regimen that I recommend to them. Uh, we've been talking to Sean Clement. Sean, we want to we'll let you go. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. We'll catch up again with you very, very soon. And to our listeners, if you want to check Sean Clement out, I highly recommend it. If you're passionate about golf or you want to take up the game, he can be found at wisdomingolf.com or on YouTube. Some fabulous, fabulous videos. 
Sean Clement on YouTube. It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Clement on YouTube. Sean, listen, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Sean. You guys too, man. Nice to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure. That, of course, was Sean Clement. Uh, Good question, Naz, about uh, performance-enhancing drugs in golf. And we did did talk about – we talked about that with with Dick Pound last – Last uh, last Sunday, and um, it's it may be the next frontier. And in, in, in interesting because the the golfers this year who are going to the Olympics have to be tested uh, under Olympic standards. That's right. And, That's what Dick said last uh, week. Don't be surprised if some of them suddenly get a sore back uh, a little bit before the games start. Um, uh, I don't want to point any names. I certainly don't uh, have any evidence of any particular golfer doing anything wrong, so I'm, I'm not going to make that suggestion. Uh, but uh, we're not naive about these things. And, uh, you know, in today's sporting world, with the amount of money that's involved and with the amount of injuries that happen, um, I wouldn't be surprised if golfers are no different than anybody else. And they uh, resort to an edge. Um, so certainly uh, interesting to see what happens at the Olympics and who and who shows and who doesn't show. So uh, uh, golf, uh, golf, uh, like everybody else nowadays. Anyways, we've got a few minutes left in the show. Uh, we will take some calls if you're interested in giving us a buzz. Giving us a buzz. Our phone number is four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero Four seven four zero. We'd love to take your calls. Uh, a couple of other matters in sports this week. A couple of them got me upset. Naz, uh, um, Jovenko, Ronaldo, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you just don't like the guy, Wallace. Uh, I have the highest respect for Ronaldo as a soccer player. He is one of the great players of this generation. Uh, but really, really. If he played sports in North America, he would not get away with what he does. Yeah, he was just I showing mean, come up on. His, his six-pack he, abs, you, know, right? you know, come on. You did nothing the whole game. You did nothing. You're one of the world's best soccer players. You did nothing the whole game. You score a goal in penalties, okay? And then you got to rip that shirt off. And, like, you got to lie down and wait for all your teammates to come and kiss your ring and make like you're the second coming. And really? I mean, he pulled the same stunt against Atletico a few years back in, 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 in Champions League. And, of course, I'm talking about the Champions League final yesterday between Real and Atletico. And that was, it was really, if you're a soccer fan, it is soccer at the completely highest level. It is fantastic yeah, soccer. There's some pretty highly paid players on both uh, teams. And yeah. I love watching it. But the prima donnas that you get sometimes, and Ronaldo, you know what? You did it. Two couple of years ago in Atletico, you scored the fourth goal, and you went crazy taking your shirt off. Man, you pull that stunt in a North American sport, man, you'd get beat up. You really, you would. Um, Ask Jose Bautista about yeah, that. Yeah, Bautista flips his bat a little bit and actually does something useful, and, man, he gets clocked. Ronaldo, like, he, you know, oh, um, forget it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Jovenko, <laughs> the Italian national soccer team, uh, in their infinite wisdom, Antonio Conte decided, you know, Jovenko wasn't worth bringing up. And you know what? It, it, there's a certain level, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, it, I don't know if it's an, uh, 
you know, certain European soccer mentality, Italian soccer mentality that what we do over here in North America is meaningless. Jovenko's head and shoulders been the best player in MLS for the last two years. Set the league on fire. Most valuable player. Got called up by Italy last fall. Played a couple of games and, uh, and played well. And played well for Italy. He's one of the best, best players in their two games. And, uh, and after the second game, he, he came back to Toronto and scored that incredible goal after two hours after he gets off a plane. I mean, he wanted to play for the Italian national team. He wanted to play there. Like he's, he's, like, he's like a good Canadian hockey player. Grows up wanting to play for the, wanting to win the Stanley Cup, wanting to win, you know, the, uh, wanting to wear the red, white uh, with the maple leaf on front. You know, Jovenko won, I mean, he grew up to want to wear the blue, the, the Azzurri shirt, and he absolutely deserves to be in that Italian lineup. And you know what? And as, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about Italian yeah, yeah. soccer. You okay? Are. I am. I've been, I'm, you know, it's one of the things I've always been passionate. Italy has had a, a, a a world-ranked team, one of the best teams in the world, from about 1968 to 2012. The current edition of the Itsuri, quite frankly, I, I can't place one Italian soccer player in the top 25 in the world. Well, and Javanko can't make this team? Yeah, Javanko should have made the team. But you should be, it would be interesting to see how they do in the Euro Cup. That's coming up in a couple of weeks, so we, we will see what Italy does. Well, you know, they may, you know, quite frankly... Anything can happen in soccer. Greece won the 2004 Euro, I believe, and that came from nowhere. You know, if Italians play their defensive, shut down the bar, anything can happen. You know, wait and play for penalties and, you know, keep 11 men back like they do sometimes when they have no talent. Uh, This particular edition of the Italian Azzurri I don't think is... Is probably the worst they've had in 50 years, but you never know. Anyways, let's. uh, We got Kevin from Buffalo on the line. Kevin, how are you this morning? Gentlemen, good morning and a very pleasant Sunday and new week to the both of you. And very nice week for the Toronto Blue Jays this past week. And what what a marquee Sunday matchup today with, with David Price pitching for the Red Sox. But I think a big a big addition for the Blue Jays and, and he was down with the Bisons for a week with Devin Travis back. And it's quite an interesting story. He could not lift his shoulder issue all winter season, and he's come back strong. I think he could be like a spark plug for the Blue Jays and a great win yesterday for John Gibbons. And congratulations to the Raptors. And how I look with the Raptors, the long-range opportunistic with basketball and just a great week for Toronto. I'll let you wrap up and have a wonderful week. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, Devin Travis has uh, played well since he's come up, and he played well last year in, uh, until he got hurt. Uh, he's a spark plug. Now they're putting Bautista at the leadoff position right now, and it's working out, but eventually I think that's going to change. And I think Travis is going to be the guy that's going to be the leadoff hitter. Tim Raines said it on our show about he a did. month and a half ago. He said that Pilar was there because of players being hurt, and he was talking about Travis. We just got a few seconds left. topic I wanted to get to was the World Cup of Hockey. They announced the rosters this week. We'll talk about it. It's coming up in September in Toronto. The big story out of that one this week, we don't have time to discuss it. I'll ask you very quickly, yes or no. Should P.K. Subban have been on that team? No. 
we'll talk about it. You've been listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We really appreciate your listenership. Uh, We wish all our listeners uh, a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.